0: Well sounds gun.
1: Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape!
2: Scorsese, in general, guys, love him or hate him?
3: I don't know that I've seen that many of his, so I, I can't say I'm particularly fussed either way.
2: It's just I get this general impression, I know, Charlie, you're a fan, but I just get this general impression that everybody likes him. He's a bit like the Tarantino sort of thing, that he's just like, oh, he's, he's, he's just his great director. Has he made a bad movie? Yes. What one?
4: Well... <laughs> If you look at, I don't know if he's made an utterly terrible film, but he's made a few that are of lesser quality than his very best work. Which feels unfair when you say it like that. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I I did that sort of retrospective thing, didn't I? Where I watched all his films Mm. in sort of chronological order, and never felt there was anything that was appalling that I had to turn off. But his big hitters are so good. That unfortunately, they get sort of judged by that benchmark, and it means that people kind of respond quite
3: badly to something that is otherwise pretty decent. Yeah, um, I wasn't a fan of Gangs of New York, not particularly. That's that's probably the one that I think is his biggest kind of mess of a film. Yeah, uh, mess describes it well. I think it, it, it was very disjointed, I found, but then you look at. Some of his others, like, I don't know, Shutter Island, Wolf of Wall Street, um, Casino, Cape Fear, Goodfellows. It's Um, just like, yeah. The the only reason
2: I'm asking is that I watch Scorsese movies the same as you two do, and I just can't bring myself to like rave about them. You know, some people get quite obsessed about directors or, or whatever. And it's like, oh, it's a Scorsese movie. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Raging Bull's my favourite film. Or Charlie knows. I've, I've I've struggled with Taxi Driver for years to, to actually, I, you know, find out what Taxi Driver really the, the appeal of it is.
4: I did initially, didn't I? Do you remember? But you
2: explained it to me, didn't you? So I've I've still got to watch it with that explanation that you gave me.
4: I mean, explain is a word that I sort of would be quite loathe to use because it implies that I am <laughs> right and you're wrong which I don't <laughs> no, think is the
2: right. case you pointed out an aspect of it that yeah. I hadn't seen Yeah, Raging Ball okay I mean I watched it quite recently we reviewed it on here with, with Anthony and it was my best viewing of it but up till that point it, it's just one of those directors that I, I can appreciate him I can see that he does good work but he's not one of those ones that I'm like singing from the rooftops about
4: I'd say that I probably am. Yeah, this is this like, is going to
2: be the big difference because I know you're a bit of a, a Scorsese pervert, mate. At the end of the day, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is definitely
4: the terminology
2: I use. <laughs> but I've got nothing against his movies. He's like when people, you know, you mentioned say Goodfellas, Paul, like you just did. Then everyone go, "Oh, fantastic! Oh, I love that bloody movie. I've seen it ten times. I've I've watched it. Top it, Five. Yeah, Top
4: there you Five go. film. I watched it
2: twice,
3: I think. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's uh, not I mean, one of ones i go so, back to. For me, the uncultured one of the group, I love that film.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. I've got nothing against
4: it. I and, and love the way sorry. he said yeah after you said you were <laughs> uncultured. <laughs> yes, I'm yeah.
2: going to disagree <laughs> there, mate. You know that. This is going to sound like as if I'm the uncultured one out of the, out of the group when I say that probably the one I've seen the most is Cape Fear, which is his yeah. more mainstream movie really like out them. of all of them you
4: know and obviously a, a, not only a remake but quite conscientiously wants you to know that it's a remake because of the appearances of like Bob Mitchum and uh, Gregory Peck's in it Gregory awkward, Peck's at
2: one point well they've, they've swapped roles haven't they the goody and the baddie role and yeah. also the music is the same as well isn't it you know all the stings oh, from the music is I don't different.
3: think the dog was in it was it Oh, Juliet Lewis <laughs>
4: Sexist.
2: <laughs> so, uh, so when we go into our review of this, I mean, I'm
4: yes, I, I enjoyed it. But I,
2: again, I haven't watched this film since it came out. It's not one that I've gone back to. It's, it's never top of my list, you know, of like, oh, I must yeah. re-watch Shutter Island. I've watched it once. I've only watched Wolf of Wall Street once. Oh, I love that film. But I, I loved think. it at the time. Yeah, and I'm thinking, OK, I must go. Well, that's one I must go back to but they never sort of take priority in my viewing habits.
4: I remember reading, you know, you usually get the critical reception sort of section on Wikipedia.
1: Mm.
4: And I always like reading that when we review a film. You read it out on the show when we looked at Tommy. It's always good to gauge your opinion against that or see if it meshes with it. Mm. And I think it was someone in like the New York Times, they said... The great thing about Scorsese is that he has a classic movie in every decade. So in the 70s, he's got Taxi Driver, which I know you're not the biggest fan of it, but you probably wouldn't begrudge the fact that it has classic... Oh, I can see I can
2: see, but for me personally, it just doesn't
4: click. That's fair, though. Mm. That's fair. I mean, that's good that you're honest enough to say it and not just going along with the majority on it. No, but but Then in the 80s, you have Raging Bull. Then in the 90s, you have Goodfellas, and their, their sort of contention is that The Departed keeps that streak going. Yeah. Because it's 2006, and that they, I don't know what they made of The Irishman, which I personally loved as well. You can make a solid argument that, you know, many directors struggle to produce one classic film, and yet here you've got someone who has produced one in every single decade of their career.
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I've got nothing against Scorsese at all. But for me personally, I'm not saying I struggle with him because I don't struggle with him because I enjoy the films when I watch them. It's just the rewatch not, value yeah. for me is, is never there compared yeah. to like most people's reaction. He's like, oh, I watched Wolf for Wall Street six times, you know, like I was saying.
4: It's interesting because the way you feel about Scorsese is probably how I'd say that I maybe feel about Spielberg. See, now I'm the opposite. So, yeah, and, and that's that's why I think it's funny that it's those two particular directors because I've got nothing but respect for Spielberg and I think he's clearly acknowledged that he's one of the all-time greats. Yeah. But he's just not, I don't have that kind of... It's, it's not about admiration, it's about sort of being fanatical.
2: It's the attachment side of it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah now if we were to go through the Spielberg stuff you know I, I could say that I've seen Jurassic Park 20 times or yeah. Close Encounters a dozen times Jaws who knows how many times I've seen that movie <laughs> tell you what I do guys let's play the trailer and we'll be back after this
1: trailer the trailer trailer, trailer.
5: When I was your age, they would say we could become cops or criminals. What I'm saying to you is this. When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference?
1: This is not the regular police! This is the state police!
5: We are an elite unit. This is who we're after. Frank Costello. You won't be paid as a regular cop, but there's a bonus involved so what do i do you will not ever know the identity of undercover people
1: you have anyone in with costello presently
5: Maybe. do you know who i am maybe not i'm gonna have my associate search you that was quick you think he's dead already
1: get your hands
0: off
5: me i think we could work something out we are all convinced that costello has at least one mold inside the special investigations unit there are parts of my job I can't talk to you about. Man, you are trouble. You don't know the half of it. You better get organized, quick. Hey, last time I checked, I tipped you off and you're not in jail. Getting the feeling we got a cop in my crew. See, the lady's gonna find out who I am and he's gonna kill me. I can get the rap. You just gotta let me do it my way. If you don't, it won't be me who pays for it. There was a leak from the inside. It's real, man. Smoke him out!
1: You're lying to me.
5: There are things you don't want to know about. What are you waiting for, honestly? I mean, do you want to chop me up and feed me to the poor? Is that what you guys want? How's your mother? She's on her way out. You all are. Act accordingly.
2: The Departed, released in the USA, 6th of October 2006, directed, of course, by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Ray Winston, Vera Farmiga. Storyline. In this crime action tour de force, the South Boston State Police Force is waging war on Irish-American organised crime. Young undercover cop Billy Costigan is assigned to infiltrate the mob syndicate run by gangland chief Frank Costello. While Billy quickly gains Costello's confidence, Colin Sullivan, a hardened young criminal who has infiltrated the state police as an informer for the syndicate, is rising to a position of power in the special investigation unit. Each man becomes deeply consumed by their double lives, gathering information about the plans and counterplans of the operations they have penetrated. But when it becomes clear to both the mob and the police that there is a mole in their midst, Billy and Colin are suddenly in danger of being caught and exposed to the enemy, and each must race to undercover the identity of the other man in time to save themselves, but is either willing to turn on their friends and comrades they've made during their long stints undercover. That summed it up quite nicely, actually. That was uh, a real general sort of like preview of what we're going to be talking about. Based on Infernal Affairs. Who's seen the original?
4: No A long time ago Mm, Saw it when it came uh, out mm. Which What was that About four years before this I Pretty think Pretty much two or
2: three Three or four Yeah Something like that yeah. It's a shame that Paul I'm not I'm not going to Sort of diss this In any way But you're not a big fan Of Sort of the Asian cinema Or the foreign movies Or no, subtitles sort of no, no, And stuff no. like that We're quite <laughs> You know Quite You know Up front with this
4: Asian people in general, I heard. That's what he
2: is. He's he's bitter and twisted in that respect. Trump, Trump esque (laughs) Which is a shame because he's racist. (laughs) You're a racist bastard. (laughs) But no, because you know when you can see that Hollywood major players are turning to other markets. You know to, to actually make their own movies or do adaptations or their interpretations of them, you know that the original has got to be something pretty spectacular, and it is, you know, and at the time quite revolutionary and it was quite groundbreaking, and it's a great movie and I must go back to watching it again. Is this the first sort of adaptation like this that Scorsese has done? I know he doesn't do like all original work, does he? Because like you said, Charlie Cape Fear was like a, a remake homage to the original 60s version, but has he done anything like this before?
4: I think he's he's tackled sort of like stories that have already been dealt with by other filmmakers, hmm. but not, not, as you say, in this kind of literal sense of... of. Uh, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. It might turn out that something like After Hours <laughs> or, or, so, or something like that has got a kind of...
2: Uh, probably an old French movie or something, After Hours. Yeah, like the uh, and I know
4: he, he was originally slated to direct Joker, wasn't he? Really? Um,
2: well, I didn't know that.
4: Yeah, and then he sort of, he didn't pull out of the project altogether, but he took a step back and uh, went into a more sort of like production-based role, mm. just had his name associated with it. So I think that would have probably been the closest example of him retelling a story that had already kind of existed on screen. Mm. Um, and that would have been interesting, I think Scorsese's take on it, but in a sense, I'm glad that he didn't because I think the, the actual final product of what the Joker turned out to be was excellent. That but was yeah, one we, of our favourite
2: reviews, we, actually, quite recently, wasn't it, Paul? Joker. Yeah,
4: yeah, I love the film. Mm.
2: <laughs> we surprised ourselves with that one, I think.
4: He usually is known for adapting books to screen. Almost every film he's done has had its oh, origins as, a, yeah. as either a non-fiction book or a novel, really. Yeah,
2: that's true. Paul, mm. your history with this movie, how many times have uh, you seen it? Or, you know, this First movie? time watch. So you, you chose this, was it because there was there was some particular reason you chose this, wasn't it? Was it um, because we did The Last Walks, which was Scorsese? Is that the reason?
3: Yeah, just wanted to link it in a little, but also because recently between the two of us, have, well, we've just done two music-based ones, so I wanted to come away from that. Mm. But uh, before that, we'd done a lot of sort of, 50s and 60s and sneaking into the 70s just wanted something a bit more modern mm. but something from a, a well-known if not the most well-known <laughs> director and i say I, I, i'd never seen it and just looking down the cast list just like why have i never seen this
1: <laughs>
3: it, it, it's ridiculously rich in the amount of talent that that's on the screen
2: i know why you haven't seen it one best picture at the Oscars, mate. And yeah, you're probably. totally yeah. anti. Yeah. Yeah. I'm allergic that, to them. <laughs> anything that wins any award. It's like, well, that can't be that good. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so, how did especially
4: it stay? when you see how well Asian filmmakers have been doing as of late? So, exactly, given, yeah, yeah. given his prejudices,
2: exactly. Uh, yeah, Paras, <laughs> parasite. He's like,
4: oh, that ironically is what he actually calls them. So.
3: Slitty eyed parasites.
4: (laughs) Prince Philip's in the room. (laughs) Where did this come from? (laughs) See? The mask slips.
2: (laughs) We'll have to get to the scene when the Asian gang turns up, then just see exactly what he thought about it then, Charlie. I think, you know, (laughs) the the true colours are shining through here.
4: Um, No tiki, no laundry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So how did it stand up for you then, Paul? Come on, first time watch. Sorry. Oh, sorry, it wasn't that sort of movie, was it? Yeah, (laughs)
3: That was when they were in the cinema. (laughs) Um, No, really, really enjoyed it. Um, Didn't take my eyes off it the whole way through. Really great story. Um, Didn't see the end coming the way it did.
2: There was about three different endings to this, though. It did take a while to end, didn't it?
3: But the thing is... With a lot of these films, you spend half the time thinking, oh, it's going to end like this, so it's going to end like this. I was so engrossed in the film, I did not at any point wonder how it was going to end.
2: Not worried about it at all.
3: No, I was just enjoying the film and didn't really care how it ended, as long as it was a, a decent end, <laughs> which it was. Very good ending. Um, yeah, it, it was just... I, I didn't think about the film at all as I was watching it. I was just totally, totally engrossed in it.
2: That's good to hear. So you, <laughs> a, a good decision for you to choose a, another Scorsese, especially when you haven't seen. That, that's, that's interesting you hadn't seen it because it was massive at the time.
3: I think at the time, 2006 um, was my wilderness years. Um,
2: oh, you've got some of those as well, have you?
3: Um, yeah, sort of 2006 for about... Oh, a couple of years before and a couple of years after, I <laughs> didn't see a lot of the world. Uh, oh,
4: John Lennon.
3: <laughs> I, I was mainly out at night.
2: <laughs> yeah, his father was Joseph Fritzel, Charles. That's what it was. He was in <laughs> the, the cellar somewhere. Um, <laughs> so Charlie, come on, you've seen this a few times. Then I'll take it.
4: This is the second full watch. Ooh, okay, okay. I had seen it around if not the year it came out, maybe 2007. Yeah. But I think because I'd already seen Infernal Affairs, mm. that kind of reduces the impact of some of the twists. So yeah. I had no problem going back to this film whatsoever. I was actually really glad that Paul chose it. Mm. Um, and I I have to thank you for that, especially given what I inflicted on you with Tommy. <laughs> I thought that was very diplomatic of you to not kind of stitch me up horribly
1: wrong
4: I I know it was purely for my benefit you choosing this but I did appreciate it Um, and yeah so it's weird because it's that kind of film where there are so many kind of twists and turns and shocks that when you are returning to it you're returning to it for very different reasons than that initial experience you get of viewing it so you're kind of looking more at the 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 Scorsese kind of characteristics, the soundtrack, the mm. the general pacing of the film, which I find really interesting because it it's very unique in that regard. Um, yeah, just thoroughly enjoyed revisiting it, and I I maintain that it's a really good film.
2: What's the running time of this, by the way, guys? No, oh, two and a
4: half, almost exactly two and a half hours. So it is is
2: yeah. a is a, a Scorsese running time, basically. <laughs> yeah. 'Cause there there aren't a ninety minute Scorsese movie anywhere in existence as far as I can remember. So
4: Not not other than things like After Hours or The King of Comedy. Yeah. But um yeah, none of his none of his kind of major works are remotely in that time frame, are they?
2: No, he likes to tell a story and he likes to tell it well. We we can't he,
4: deny that. He uh he never listened to that classic sort of Hitchcock quote that the length of a film should always be dictated by the, bladder, by the sort, yeah the tolerance of one's bladder or yes. something like that but <laughs> i know different directors have a very different outlook on that so i think sergio i saw a sergio leone interview and he was saying that it's never the running time of the film it's the quality of the film so mm. uh, you can get a very boring 90 minute film that seems to go on for hours Yes, and a two-and-a-half-hour two film that seems to fly by. Fly by. It? So it
2: it's, doesn't its welcome at all, does it, this movie?
3: Not in my opinion. I, no. I, I didn't get fidgety or anything during this. It was just planted on the sofa from start to finish. Um, and you, you do not tell the length of it by watching it because, as Charlie said, there's so many little twists and turns. It's not all left to the end of the film, they're all the way through. All the bits about you think he's going to get the the one in the police, you think he's going to get caught and then you think the undercover one's going to get caught and, yeah, it keeps it just bubbling away all the way through.
2: It's great in that respect, isn't it? The fact that you've got these little suspenseful moments every sort of 10, 15 minutes something is happening because of the nature of this movie, you know, there's two people that are desperately trying to keep their cover secret and they could both be exposed or either of them could be exposed at any particular time and it's like well you're looking at the background characters as well thinking well is Mark Wahlberg going to like get this you know is he going to dob someone in is he going to be the one responsible for you know dropping a secret here great to see Martin Sheen is this the only, the only time Martin Sheen's been a Scorsese movie?
4: As far as i are aware, yeah. Must be, wasn't um, it? Was it surprising? I can't think of any others, but he's um, mm. it, such a sort of wholesome character in this, I thought. like He's yeah. a really likeable yeah. sort of nice guy, I think because of the c- contrast between him and his partner in Mark Wahlberg as well. He's a bit of a dick in this, isn't he?
3: I mean... In Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh you, could say that. you could say that. Absolute twat.
4: <laughs> but... <laughs>
3: I've sort of watched
4: it yeah and that's always true and I watched this thinking well this is just an absolutely horrendous horrible environment that all these people are in I know it's Scorsese I know it's technically a mob film but even so this is one of the most sort of like ugly bad natured films I think I've ever watched in terms of how just about everyone treats each other so it's no surprise that some of them have turned into absolute cunts really
2: the, the, the one that surprised me, and, and the more I see him, the more I like him, is Alec Baldwin.
4: He's <laughs> great.
2: I hate him. I used to think he was a complete arsehole. You know, in his younger days, the early movies like Beetlejuice and all that sort of stuff he was in. But, I mean, even though this film is, whatever, 15 years old now, whatever it is, but even more recently, you know, is it, what's that comedy thing he's in? Is he 30 Rock?
4: 30 Rock with Tina Fey? Yeah.
2: Love him. Absolutely. Oh, and I, I've got this real like, admiration now for Alec Baldwin that I never had before. Yeah. Don't uh,
3: you find theory. that? With certain, sorry, sorry. Paul. He, he's very good nowadays at taking the piss out of himself.
2: He does a lot he, of SNL, he, doesn't he now?
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Doesn't take himself serious.
1: Mm.
3: It, don't you find that with certain actors
4: though? They just have to reach a certain age before they become, they start to kind of uh,
2: yeah, appeal. It's not, to,
4: to it's, people. It's not just maturity; mm. it's the fact that they start, they get to an age where the roles are absolutely perfect for them that they're taking. I mean. Mm. Martin Sheen's an example of that. He could never have taken this role thirty years ago because he was—he was like, you know, he was Willard in Apocalypse Now and things like that. Well, we've done recently. He was in uh, Badlands. Of course, yeah, which is like one of the ultimate youth movies in a sense. Yeah, but it was the perfect age for that. In that, it it was
3: very—it wasn't so much bad acting. It was just the character he was playing, but it wasn't anything
2: like the acting in this was it it was No, i think what charlie's saying as well with martin sheen it's a very just sort of like straightforward performance there's nothing challenging about martin sheen's performance in this is there and his character um and if anything he's he's quite disposable you know i think you know (laughs) quite literally yeah and i think (laughs) you know that at some point even if you hadn't seen this movie that martin sheen's gonna get it
4: yeah He's because the one of, because he's so
2: nice, possibly. Yeah,
4: <laughs> because of the environment. Yeah. I mean, that—that that is pretty much what Jack Nicholson, Frank Costello says at the start of the film. Is the, the summary of his sort of opening monologue is nice guys finish last and you mm. have to take it. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get given things. And this is clearly not the environment to be a sort of wholesome because I think he's got like the crucifix in his office. Yeah. He's clearly like an upstanding sort of Catholic and, you know, the the scene where Billy goes into his home and he's like, oh, that's a picture of my son. He's yeah. going to Notre Dame. Do you want some supper?
2: That's his, his tone.
4: He's not cut out for this environment. Is he a character like that?
2: And you know they're the ones that are going to get it at some point before the end of the movie, you know.
4: I mean, yeah.
2: Absolutely fantastic. I mean, who else have we got in the cast? Vera Farmiga. Farmiga probably the only f- main sort of female character. There's no other female actors, actresses in, within this film, is there? I think that you, no. see,
4: you You see Jack Nicholson's sort of partner now and then, oh, but yeah. she's, she's relegated to a kind of uh, a sort of mold. Like, yeah, sort of... yeah. Just a tart really. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and even uh, Vera Farmiga's character is very questionable in terms of morality, as you see. um, <laughs>
3: Is, is... What, a, a shrink that starts shagging two of her patients. What do you mean? And, and
4: uh, he's quite happy to move in and have a baby with someone who's totally kind of dismissive of what a profession is in the first place. Like, it's just... That didn't really ring true to me. But again, it just adds to my theory that everyone in this film, just about everyone in this film, is a cunt. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> in, in general, thinking now, with Scorsese in previous movies... Female actresses, female characters, they're never at the forefront of any of his movies,
4: are they? Lorraine Bracco in Goodfellas is, is okay, quite did, significant, and yeah. then Sharon Stone in Casino. So my,
2: my theory there is completely pissed on, <laughs> yeah. isn't but it? But you're still right,
4: you're still right, because the, the the kind of films he makes are about very much male-dominated
2: they're
4: pilter blokes, uh, they're blokes
2: rather than, yeah. I'm, I'm right there, aren't I? I don't think they're, they're chick flicks at all, are they, obviously. but
4: Even if
3: women are quite central in these films, they're often victims, so... I'm just saying on that, sorry, I just want to see Scorsese do a rom-com now.
4: Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose New York, New York is the closest, to that. isn't it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> it's not very good. That's the only problem. When Harry shot Sally. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's yeah, true. They're, that's they're not...
2: Okay, yeah, say like Sharon Stone or whatever, they're, they're strong characters, but they're never the focus of any of his no. movies. They're not female-led, any of his movies.
4: It's a really interesting point because I remember watching Goodfellas again recently and there is a part in the film where the... Narration switches from Henry Hill, mm. Ray Otter, to Lorraine Barco, yeah. and it is it is. When I say jarring, I don't mean that in a sort of like misogynistic way. Like it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. It's just very unusual to be happening in a Scorsese film. Mm. Like and and you saying that kind of, yeah, it, it's it's unusual to have like a, a female character on centre stage.
2: The only reason I said it when I read out the cast list at the beginning. Vera Farmiger is the only sort of one out of ten names that I read out. Mm. Mm. Um, and then looking back, when you like, say, you go back to Kate Fear, there's only Jessica Lang and Juliet Lewis to that extent. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, um, the Australian actress. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie yeah. is probably the only one in that. Raging Bull, can't remember the lead, the female lead in that, but they're not uh, the. Fun- Mrs. Liotta. Mrs.
4: Liotta. Mrs. Lamotta. <laughs> L- Mrs. Mrs. She's <laughs> But yeah.
2: they're, they're not. The focal point or even in the top quarter of the cast list
4: yeah um the irishman's an interesting case for yeah. that because um anna paquin plays um robert de niro's daughter as yeah. a grown-up and when i don't know the child actor's name but she's very good although she doesn't say anything mm. And it makes sense when she's a child because she doesn't know how to internalize the stuff that she sees her father getting up to this kind of violence and corruption but it becomes very weird when she's when her character forms into an adult and anna Paquin's playing her and doesn't say anything literally doesn't have any any lines whatsoever in the right. film and that is
2: because i haven't seen the irishman so i don't know
5: I'm gonna have my associate search you. No, no one's fucking searching me. Search me for what? Contra fucking band. Take your shoes off. Shoes. I knew your father. Yeah?
2: You know he's dead?
5: Oh, sorry. How'd he go? Hey. I didn't complain. Yeah, that was his problem. Who said he had a problem? I just said he had a fucking problem. As a man, could have been anything. Are you trying to say that he was nothing? I'm saying he worked at the airport. It's clean. Arm. Yeah. Come on. Arm. What fucking arm? Show me your arm. Flip it. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
5: -hmm. Ah! Ah! Makes me curious to see you in this neighborhood He's clean And if I can slander my own environment It makes me sad, this uh, regression Plus, I don't know if it's beyond some fucking cock prick like queen To pull you out of the Stadies and send you after me I just can't know. I don't know what they do in that particular department anyway. Are you still a cop? No! No. Swear on your mother's grave, you're still not a cop!
1: I am not a
5: fucking cop! Are you going to stop doing coke deals with your jerk-off fucking cousin?
1: Yes! Yes, yes! Yes!
5: All right, all right. Right. You're okay, you'll be all right. Get your hand taken care of. I'm sorry, but, uh, it was necessary. As for our problem at Providence, let's not cry over spilled guineas.
2: It's the first time. Watch, Paul. What what stood out for you, mate? What was what was you know the best part of this movie because there's a lot of famous faces in this there's a lot of brilliant actors there's a lot of great performances a lot of fantastic set pieces in this and you said like the suspense was like integral to keeping your attention and you know don't know where this is going to go what was it about it for you because it sounds like you really enjoyed it
3: i i did yeah i like um i I like boston for some reason and i like the old anything to do with the Boston Irish and that. Mm. Um, uh, Jack Nicholson was absolutely brilliant. He was he, he was just planning himself, really, was wasn't so he. When's he?
2: When's he ever shit? Come on. He's like... uh,
3: but, yeah, he's such a fantastic, easygoing actor to watch. Um, the role was perfect for him. So the casting casting of the whole entire film was brilliant but I, I did like little little snippets in there right at the end because the end just totally surprised me with who got killed and how many people got killed but it was the little thing I, I picked up on it when um, he they phoned to say they'd uh, got the Martin... Sheen's character, um, and they said, "Oh, it's four one four, whatever street mm. it was." In, instead of four four four, was it or something? Or, Wash. Yeah, mm. uh, and yeah, that that's how they said. Well, how did you know to go to that address, sort of thing? And I was like, "Ah, oh, nice," just subtly dropped in. Because I
2: I thought I'd misheard it originally, mm. but then. Scorsese makes a point. You see the number painted on the door or the wall or wherever it is of the building, um, and it's just that whole thing with DiCaprio, isn't it? Just as he comes up with this excuse that um, didn't he say his battery didn't have a signal? His phone didn't have a signal. Yeah,
3: it's in the grocery store. In the store, grocery
2: store. Right, yeah. yeah, and it's it's very clever the way. That, you know he wears a wire, doesn't he? At one point, and he throws that away because he's like, "I need to get rid of this." There's no way I'm wearing a wire anymore. Just this whole thing of you think they're going to get found out. Each each of the two characters that are undercover, you think they're going to get found out at any particular time. But it's interesting how Matt Damon's character suddenly turns it around and he's leading
3: yeah, the whole thing it, it after goes the death from, of Martin Sheen, yeah, almost being caught to like promoted and then promoted again to like internal track, affairs almost does not to, to it? track yeah.
2: himself down almost
3: yeah <laughs> i mean how brilliant is that you've got to find the mole but you are the mole <laughs> okay
4: i like the fact that like the revelation that like spoiler alert here as mm. well for anyone who's not watched it yet mm. but the revelation that costello is actually an fbi informant totally turns it on its head as well yeah, it's just yeah.
2: like it's, it's like three stories all intertwined here, isn't it? Because you've got obviously like the two undercover stories, then this FBI thing comes in.
3: God. But they also spin that um, one of his henchmen who dies was FBI. Oh, Della Hunt, isn't mm. it? Because they find a dead body, and then
4: it's But it, I wondered if that was Matt Damon leaking. Yeah. That, oh, he was a cop to kind of take some of that's the heat off I himself.
2: interpret interpreted it, I think, yeah. It was just a case of, like, he's the one. He's the one you've got to be careful of, sort of thing. but he's dead now.
4: And that cleans up that mess, because even yeah. Costello says, that's what the cops are telling me, then I don't have to look for a cop, do I? So we yeah. just move on from it. Naive.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what do we all think of Ray Winston in this?
3: Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, for... playing himself, wasn't it? Well, Yeah, it... very... Bit jarring, Very much more physical though, acting, yeah. I
4: think. He's um, not the greatest Yank accent.
2: So it's a bit jarring seeing him playing an American, isn't it?
4: Yeah, especially where the Boston accent is so uh, distinct mm. as well. Like where people Sometimes it makes people ham it up even more. Like get in the car. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it was like it was in the room.
4: In the car. But it is that thing where, yeah, it, it's not his forte. Um, but I felt that there was enough, there was enough of a physical demand of him in the film for him to get by. Particularly yeah, when you think yeah. how much violence features here. This is an extremely violent film, even for a film
3: of its kind of genre. The the bit where he's so? broken his hand and he takes the oh. uh, the cast off by smashing the cast. it. Cast. <laughs> ah, <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> oh, that just really makes you cringe. Even if he didn't have a broken hand, that would have bloody hurt.
4: That's a misery moment, isn't it, really? Like, where you know that it's... You're fully aware that it's not real, but you, you, you feel the character's pain. Mm. I like the scene with the cranberry juice and the <laughs> fella sitting at the bar with him asking if he's on his period because he's a natural diuretic. And uh, it's a good job that he was there, actually, because that's... Um, is it Billy's way of kind of proving his credentials?
3: To yeah, one proving, of Stello's his, proving his nuts, really, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> but he says to him, there's, there's people you hit and there's people you don't hit. And he's uh, one of the guys you don't hit.
3: No, he said he's nearly one of the guys He's nearly
2: you don't one hit. of the guys you don't hit. And then when he he then asks him what he wants to drink and he says, I'll have a cranberry toast. He said, well, are you on your beer? He says it again. you are... <laughs> very clever. I'll tell you what I noticed at the beginning, go right back, I know we talked about the end, let's go back to the beginning. You know when they're setting up this whole thing where you know Damon and these guys are kids at the beginning Mm. and Jack Nicholson if you notice all the way through that first five minute opening segment is in the shadows.
4: Like a very noir sort of thing. Yeah, Yeah, I noticed that.
2: Yeah. Fast forward 15 years, if this was the American, Scorsese would have used that de-ageing Technology that he used in the American. You mean
3: the Irishman?
2: The, the American. What's the American? That's that's a um, Angelina Jolie <laughs> or someone. Or, um,
4: right, oh, oh yeah, it's Johnny Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, it was based on a. Was it like a Cormac Cormac McCarthy? Yeah, novel it was it Johnny something. Depp or
2: something, I can't remember. Anyway, the Irishman. was Irish quite a man.
4: star-studded cast, but it was dog shit, <laughs> if I remember rightly.
2: Well, the Irishman was better, so. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't take long, did it? Every episode, we get these bloody senior yeah. moments, don't it, we? It
3: makes a change for you to have it. It was me and Charlie last time. Yeah. Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard.
4: Yeah. Brilliant. Um, um,
3: I did think in that early sequence again, the kid that played Matt Damon as a youngster yeah. really did look like him.
4: No, mm. I noticed that. That was mm. great. I mean, it, it's not... The film doesn't live and die on that sort of detail,
3: but it's always nice when they get that right, I think. Yeah, because quite often you go from, like, you jump from kid to, like, adult, and it's like, yeah, it's nothing like him whatsoever. But, yeah, it was very similar. Yeah. That was was important, I felt, because
4: what what annoyed me about the early stage Mm. of the film, though, is that you get this background story about Colin, like Matt Damon, Mm. But the first time you see anything to do with Billy is when he's actually taking the, yeah, exam. the academy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah what about his backstory? and they don't even go into like the I appreciate mm. that it's already a very long film, and they're limited for time, but like the three to four months that he spends in jail just totally glossed over as well, like, yeah. yeah,
2: I think what they do is they fill in the backstory with the the accounts about his father and all his family,
4: yeah. Yeah, uh, all his family. As, are dodgy. Yeah, yeah.
2: as as the movie progresses, I think That's you true. learn more about his character through other people's recollections of his cousins and his uncles and his father in particular, um, and you build up an impression of that character rather than the Matt Damon one, which is sort of handed to you on a plate at the beginning.
4: And he's an entitled bastard in this mm. film, isn't he? As well, the way that he behaves, you know, yeah. he's straight straight away, sort of like staring at the, the woman's arse and trying it on with the psychiatrist and get evidently gets treated differently by, you know, so when he's walking out of the office after being handed his job, the receptionist says, like the PA says to him, oh, well done, congratulations. And he's like, right, you go in to Billy because he, he's potentially going to be working in a less prestigious sort yeah. of role. So... Maybe yeah, that's another th- thing of where you don't get the the backstory of the character because he's always he's always on the lower
3: rungs of the yeah, this kind of the hierarchy. If you know what I mean? Yeah, but, it's it's almost like you've come from a shit family. You're going to do this shit job. <laughs> You're going to go undercover and like risk your life every day you also get
2: that with his relationship with Vera Farmiga as well when you look at the relationship that Matt Damon has with Vera Farmiga and the relationship that DiCaprio has you know where he's I'm not saying he's like struggling to you know express himself or whatever but she's trying to get into his psyche of you know where he comes from and what his background was and he's defending all of this at one point and, and like you said, Charlie, the difference between the two characters is fucking evident, highly evident there.
4: I think the connection that I picked up on as well is that they both don't have strong biological father figures, though, because mm. obviously um, Nicholson mentions about, you know, I knew your father. Yeah. He could have been anything he wanted, but he basically just worked at the airport. And then there's that scene where Matt Damon's sitting with the... Bloke is in training with after they played the rugby match, yeah. and they're looking at the—is it City Hall or something like that? Or yeah. the, and he's like, he's got his eye on it. He says, no, forget about it." Your dad was a janitor or something. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that Costello is able to get into the heads of two males who need that father figure in their life, and yeah. he sort of becomes a surrogate of that for them, doesn't he? Mm. I think that's that's the common
3: link between the two characters. I quite liked that character. You said that was his mate through uh, sort of um, sort police, of the, police police rugby yeah. school. Yeah, uh, <laughs> James, <laughs> Badge, James Badge Dale is his name. Um, I recognised him. I don't know if you've ever seen Pacific. A long which time was ago. Follow up to Band of Brothers. Yeah, Spielberg thing. Yeah. Yeah, he was in that, and he was fantastic in that. That was a great show. To oh, be it fair. was really, really good show. Yeah, he, he was. He was a. Interesting character, but
4: so many characters sort of appeared at the beginning and seemingly dropped out, only to then become quite significant in the film's conclusion as well. That's, yeah, that's because obviously reason. that one
3: was right at the end because he said, "Oh, you didn't think I was? You were the only one."
4: And it's yeah, like fucking hell! Was... Another, another like <laughs> twist revelation. Yeah, to yeah. yeah. so yeah. so say
2: that there is not one ending to this movie when you think it's all over. Yeah, and something else cr- creeps out of the woodwork and gets. You. Do you know it was a very minor scene, but it made me chuckle, and it, and I didn't know where it was going to go. The scene in the in the restaurant or the cafe or whatever it was with the two priests.
3: Yeah, a- yeah. No. and
2: yeah. Jack Nicholson comes up, and you think, where, where's this going to go? Because it he could go absolutely any way. This
4: conversation. I've, I've got to mention. <laughs> <laughs> Give me. Did you see up? Uh, did you see the surveillance man? How evident, like he, how obvious he was making himself? Though he was literally just out the side window, <laughs> yeah. just, just with a camera pointed out of the the side window. At that, it's like he's not making any attempt whatsoever <laughs> well, to, to fault, cover up the, the, the fact the, that he's a surveillance. The,
2: the, and, the van was like pulling up, and there was just people hanging out the van door with like cameras and binoculars <laughs> it's and it's shit like, like that. Was, yeah,
4: because
3: <laughs> yeah, at one point, didn't Matt Damon's character like. Uh, ring costello and say oh you're being tailed i'm like anyone in their right mind would have fucking known that in the middle of a police station
4: yeah yeah uh, it's a blue car mate you're being towed there's a van behind it literally walking down the corridor a busy corridor it's fucking great but then
2: throughout the rest of the movie they're very particular and very careful about these code words about tell mum I'm not gonna make it home or tell dad I'm yeah. you know, tell dad I can't make it tonight. And I thought that was great as well, you know, the code yeah. words and, and these specific like burner phones that have only got, you know, one number on them and the way they set all that up. But then like you said, it all falls apart when you look at the surveillance shit shit show that's <laughs> going on but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, does it? Yeah.
4: There's going to be these sort of pitfalls in a film of this nature because at the end of the day, it is, one, it is a film. It is. Hmm. I mean, I know it's based on, I think Jack Nicholson's character is based on a fella called Whitey Bolger, who was like yeah. the main heavy in Boston.
2: Well, that's the uh, uh, Johnny Depp movie, wasn't it? He did a couple of years ago.
4: He played that's Bobby right, Boyger. yeah, yeah. Uh, Black Mass, was it? That's it, yeah. Yeah. And uh I know Mac Damon's character was loosely based on uh I think his name was James Connolly, mm. like who was who was turned out to be a mole within the Boston um state police force. But that's interesting in itself that they managed to merge like a remake of a film with actual real life characters.
2: Yeah, very clever if that's how they've done it, yeah, yeah. Because they could have been like, you know, strictly sort of literal to the adaptation of the the Infernal Affairs movie and just said, right, we'll just just make it like New York gangs or we'll make it Boston whatever.
4: But But there are going to be shortcomings, like, in terms of... Because it is a film. It is ultimately a a fictionalised story, so you can't always be too harsh.
2: Where does this stand for the pair of you amongst Scorsese's other works then? Because... It's not one that the pair of... Well, Paul's first time watch, your second time watch. And you're both Scorsese fans, you know, Scorsese perverts, as I mentioned
3: earlier. Don't, pull, don't drag Paul into this. No, don't, <laughs> don't he's done nothing to it. No, I, I'm not a Scorsese pervert. You're, I probably haven't even seen half of his films.
2: You're an amateur pervert. Okay.
3: Um, <laughs> I, no, nothing <laughs> but, amateur but you, about my perversion.
2: <laughs> you've seen the main ones, mate, haven't you? You've seen all the big yeah. big hitters. You know, you're going to say that Wolf of Wall Street and Goodfellas are going to be one and two, whatever. I I can read this review, but where does this stand for you, then, mate? Because I know you you like Scorsese.
3: Mm, I would say I don't know because it's so fresh in my mind. It might Mm. go higher than sort of (sighs) might go higher than Wolf of Wall Street.
2: That's Um, interesting. That's okay.
3: It won't go higher than Goodfellas. Because I absolutely adore Goodfellas, but Uh, I I do—I would like to see this again soon, mm -hmm. um, because I I really, really enjoyed it.
2: Any um, inclination to watch the original Infernal Affairs? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Soldier,
4: (laughs) he was racist.
2: Yeah. What's up with you? You wait till you see what I've got picked for you for the next one, mate.
4: (laughs) You are are missing out, though, Paul, if you don't watch that, because I watched it after I'd seen The Departed, I think, Mm. and I was thoroughly entertained. And there are, well, obviously similarities, but they deal with them in a quite a different manner. And Mm. one thing I would say for this film is that even though it's probably Scorsese's first remake, might not be, we might be wrong, but... He definitely puts his own stamp on it as well. It, it's not just a straight no, remake no, no, no. of Infernal Affairs. No. Especially this... like there's the stuff to do with like Catholicism, and it's very much more mob-based as you'd expect a Scorsese film to be than Infernal Affairs is. That's a lot more procedural, I think. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's your typical Asian cop drama, isn't it? Which which they do bloody well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. So. It's, from your point of view, Charlie, I mean, you're more of the the fan of of school You've seen more of his stuff than Paul has, um, and he's he's a massive, you know, sort of influence on your viewing habits. Where where would this sit in the school canon for you, then?
4: I don't know if it's. I'd put it quite there with like Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, but it's not far removed from it. Despite what I said about Scorsese putting his own stamp on this as a remake, mm. I'm still not entirely sure that it has that kind of typical Scorsese character running through all of the film. It's it's something quite new for him, especially to do something so plot driven that has twists and turns. Um, he would often engage more in character studies before that, I find, uh, whereas yeah. this is his attempt at doing the big sort of Hollywood. Blockbuster, really.
2: That's what I'm saying. Is it going to be a bit more mainstream <laughs> rather than personal? This one.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't want it to. I don't want to make it sound like everything else he does is art house. Mm. But I, th- I think one of the appealing things about Scorsese to me is that I'd like to think I knew I was watching a Scorsese film if I wasn't already aware that he was the director. And I'm yeah. not necessarily sure you can say that about all of The Departed, but it is funny that despite being a two and a half hour film the way that it's shot and the way that the scenes blend together is quite unusual for a mainstream sort of cop mob action film so it's,
2: it's, it's certainly unique well not necessarily unique but certain parts of it do stand out because of that yeah i can certainly see what you're getting at there mate
4: it, it has its own flavor but it's not necessarily uh, the biggest indication that Scorsese is an alter either, if that makes sense.
2: I mean, what have we got after this? Silence.
4: Assume... Silence was quite a few years after. Yeah, I think I uh, assume... you had Hugo not long after this. Do you remember that? See,
2: now that was his homage to the golden age of you know silent movies and yeah, um, Georges Méliès wasn't it? You know, his big hero and which is great. There was a passion project, wasn't it? And it mm. was. The done bloody well, because he's at that so, point of his career, you know, he's won his Oscar now you know, so it's like, yeah, I can start.
4: I mean, that, that's an interesting point in itself, the mm. fact that this is this is his first and only time of winning um, not him specifically winning it, but one of his films winning Best Picture yeah. mm. and I'm not sure that is the most accurate representation of his career, it feels a bit like, you know, like when John Wayne True grit right, for true grit. It's like they it's like the Academy just eventually realises like this man has to be we've to acknowledged. We've yeah. got to do it now. Yeah. But yeah. then it is a bloody good film, so I can't really argue with the best picture award. It's just Ooh. I'm not sure it's Scorsese's best example of that. Well really
2: winning the best picture of the Oscar is never any indication of absolutely anything, is it? We've we've had this <laughs> no. discussion a million times before. So Yeah don't read too much into it you
4: know um, I'm, I'm looking at you sean connery and the untouchables <laughs> Oi. No, 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 they should've, should've. leave that film alone no, no, great film but but not he's to me that's not necessarily what he'd be remembered for no, or that alone should've, should've won well, sean it for,
3: connery's irish accent that was worth an oscar no, true everyone knows
2: he should have won it for highlander um <laughs> I love Zardoz. Zardo's excellent. He's mm-hmm. red dappy. Yeah, I
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I watched this, this was the second time for me. And as Paul said, two and a half hours g- glued to the screen. You know, don't take to heart too much what I said at the beginning of this programme. That Scorsese <laughs> for me have got this we've got this tumultuous relationship, me and Scorsese. <laughs> Um, I haven't <laughs> die yeah and sure it's i i struggle with things like raging bull and taxi driver and 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 i never go back to the ones that i should go back to i watched goodfellas i watched wolf of wall street and loved them absolutely adored them but the thing, i don't know how to explain it it's just the fact that i just don't go back I, I don't sit here thinking, Oh, I I, think I fancy good fellas tonight. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, you know. Um <laughs> pizza. But I know that if I was to if I was to sit and put it on, I'd have three hours of fucking great entertainment. It was like I this. Think, I mean I watched this two thousand six, two thousand seven, whenever it may have been. Yeah. I've had no inclination since then to put it back on. And watching it the other night, I'm thinking, Well, why haven't I watched this since? I
4: could sort of tell by your your reaction when Paul told us what we would be watching, mm. you didn't say, oh, for fuck's sake, or I don't want to watch that. Yeah. But I just registered a little bit of kind of ambivalence, maybe. It was, um,
2: yeah, it's a school size, it's two and a half hours. And it was, and it wasn't like any hatred towards it, like you say or anything. It was just yeah. the fact that, okay, is there a reason why I haven't gone back to this in 15 years?
4: The difference is, I think, with how you feel about Raging Bull films like that is mm. there are certain films that you watch you like you think that was very good well made well like appreciate great it, casting yeah. whatever yeah. but then there are also films that you feel those things about and they get you in the gut as well and i get the impression that they don't get you quite in the gut yeah in that way
2: i i appreciate the the quality, the art of it, the cinematography, the effort that's gone into it. You know, this is what I said about Taxi Driver all them years ago, Charlie. You know, I can see why it's appreciated by people, but for me personally, it hasn't got that punch in the gut that I'm going to think that movie... I, I, I don't get that emotional response.
4: It's, it's something that can't quite be measured. It's almost like... It sounds very wanky, but it's almost like a fucking like a religious experience you have with certain films mm. where it's just, this is amazing. Like, I can't even it's describe like it.
2: certain films at certain points, I will totally immerse myself in and get lost in it. And it, yeah. and it will evoke either tears, anger, whatever it may be, laughter and whatever. And, and they're the ones that get the extra star on Letterboxd me, ones that make me laugh out loud, ones that bring a tear to me eye. Um, ones that we've said this before. Ones that I'm still thinking about two or three days later. Yeah.
3: Mm. Why yeah. the
2: hell am I still thinking about that film that I watched a week ago? I haven't yeah. had I f- that with this.
3: I think Badlands done that. It stuck to, with you. Yeah. it It's mm. just like yeah, a couple of days later, popping into your mind and going yeah. Oh yeah, that scene sort of had a different meaning to it, and yeah. So
4: why so you know that, that they the sort of.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Tommy has that that fascination. I've just popped into my dreams.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it I'm not sure that the departed even sets out to have that kind of relationship with its viewers because I think it's a film about you know, entertainment and, and plot first and foremost. I think the biggest compliment you could probably give this film is what Paul and and you have said, Scott, is that um I think it was might have been, I hate to quote the bloke, but it might have been Roman Polanski who said like sometimes the biggest accolade you can give a film is the fact that you forget that you're watching a film in its presence, yeah. like yeah. you were just surely immersed in it. So I think that is what The Departed has sort of done really successfully here. I'm not sure it's even attempted to be in that same sort of canon as Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, because the whole... The whole thing behind it is
3: just totally different.
4: But, mm. yeah, it's, it's a very hard film to criticise, I think. I don't oh, crikey, it, yeah. yeah
3: I, I couldn't say... I mean, we picked up on little tiny, tiny bits that might have been like the surveillance and whatever, but... It's I been mean hairs sort of thing. Yeah, there's, there's no-one in there you could say was a bad actor. There's, there's no... There's nothing wrong with the plot the pacing of the film is exceptional for a two and a half hour film. You usually have some doldrums in, but that as, as Scott said, the amount of twists that came every 10, 15 minutes when people are nearly getting found out, it just kept it ticking along beautifully.
4: Yep. What I noticed as well is that certain scenes you only got sort of extended scenes in the last sort of half hour of the film to avoid doing that early on or in the first couple of hours, they would intersperse yeah. a scene with another scene. So like it might be Matt Damon and Vera talking in the apartment, but it would then splice it with something that Leonardo DiCaprio is doing and then go back to the yeah. rest of their conversation to, yeah. to maintain a very specific pacing, mm. which I thought was a masterstroke, actually.
2: I think one of the longest... Conversational scenes that I can remember immediately off the top of my head at the moment is on the rooftop with Martin Sheen, where they go to that
4: building, mm. and that that is very much calm before the storm stuff. Uh-huh. Because that's that like is quite intentional. Yeah,
2: that is building it up for the shitstorm that's going to happen straight afterwards. Uh, that that so was it's... very Scorsese. That you've just reminded me him falling off the building. That is pure Scorsese. Well, the actual yeah. landing on the pavement bit is pure school Oh,
3: the squelch. Yeah. <laughs> when they were, when the police in the car were going, something's just fallen off Something the building. Something has I'm fallen like, off the building. Something.
4: <laughs> it's one of the finest actors of his generation. Oh, yeah,
2: and half of him's up, up, up Leonardo's shirt, mate. <laughs> yeah, I thought
4: I thought uh, he hung about a bit too long for my liking there, and it, it could have gone the other way, especially when it was. I think it's because it was the Scottish fella that saw mm. him first and said, where the fuck have you been? But had it been Della Hunt who dealt, who dealt with him first, he yeah. was the one who specifically sent him the wrong address, wasn't he? So yeah. that could have gone very differently, I think.
2: See, even that bit when he's dying, the, you know, and he's, he's like, I knew it was you, I gave you the wrong address. And you know, like, this could go fucking wrong at any point now still, and he just yeah. dies there and then he's like, the relief on DiCaprio's face when he's actually yeah. dead, you
4: know. Oh, my God. Do you remember that from Infernal Affairs, Scott, that that scene where... I don't
2: remember that scene at all. I remember a lot of the gang stuff. And like you oh. said, it's, it's, it's very procedural as well, as you said. The, the police side of it is very... It, Asian cop dramas is what they do well. It's An Asian cop drama is exceptional. There's loads of good stuff like Memories of Murder and all of those things. Uh, but the gang thing... You know, um, and even you know they sort of emulated it a bit in this movie with the no ticky no laundry thing and all that. Uh...
4: But even the the falling of the of the building in Infernal mm. Affairs, it just happens, and if, I think he falls into the roof of a car. Something so it's it's almost career. like a jump mm. scare. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's like quite a sort of you see the it's almost man. like quite dramatic slow yeah. motion sort yeah. of fall. Yeah.
2: But the impact bit still makes you wince, doesn't it? When that happens, it's like, oh my god, you weren't expecting that at all.
3: I wouldn't have minded if it was Mark Wahlberg, but <laughs> <laughs> saying it. Did you see who else was supposed to be his character, or possibly his character?
2: What what actor was supposed to play it?
3: Yeah, Mark Wahlberg was Ray Liotto or Dennis Leary.
2: Dennis Leary's played cops before, Charlie, hasn't he? I'm
3: trying to recall. He's not a bad actor,
2: Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary's played Um, in comedies. There's a Sandra Bullock comedy. I'm sure he's a cop in one.
4: What, Miss Congeniality? Something something. like that, yeah.
2: (laughs) But I'm sure he's played cops in like straight stuff as well. Ray Liotta, yeah, that makes sense. It's it's probably
4: something like Boondock Saints or something like that, isn't it? Great film. Did, did I mean didn't say it weren't. You you sort of got on a the defensive there, my friend. <laughs> it's not a great um, film actually. No, I will say that. Yeah. It's,
3: it's a brilliantly self indulgent just fucking kill streak film. It's great. Also set in Boston. Yeah, exactly. I think what he was in as a cop. But um
4: well, Wahlberg, Wahlberg's not even necessarily an obvious choice, is he? I think.
3: No, it's quite a strange
2: choice, really. Was he, he flavour of the month back in 2006, though? I guess so. I Try, guess so. Trying to, you know, I can't even think what was out 15 years ago. Paul, Paul's, never, Paul's Wilden this year, so we've got no chance <sighs> asking him.
4: I've <laughs> never been a huge Wahlberg fan. Um, I think his best work was probably Boogie Nights. But yeah,
1: yeah.
4: I think you won the money there, That. Some of the films he appears in are more of a reflection of his popularity in Hollywood at the time than necessarily his ability as a lesbian.
2: Yeah. Well, the only thing I can think of, about 2001, I'd say, was that awful Tim Burton Planet of the Apes rehash bullshit. And he was the lead in that, wasn't he, Wahlberg? So even that, this is five years after that. Yeah, can't think. Can't think. But the Dennis Leary thing's going to bug me. I'm going to have to have a little look. I'm sure he's played cops in a couple of movies.
3: He was in Ice Age.
2: Shit. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't Shit, was he? <laughs> no, it
3: was, was Manny. No, not Manny. It's um, the Sabretooth Tiger, wasn't he? Oh. <laughs> I reckon there were probably only two actors in this
4: who would have been. Of course, his absolute first choice in terms of the main roles, and I reckon that is probably DiCaprio has obviously become his like new yeah, yeah. De Niro, hasn't he? Yeah. Um and also I think he would have been keen to get Jack
3: Nicholson to play Costello.
2: Jack yeah, Nicholson's Ma- a good chat, and I bet Martin Sheen have been on his wish list for years.
3: Yeah. The, the original Because this is uh produced by Brad Pitt. Um Plan B, Plan B productions,
2: yeah,
3: isn't it? I yeah, think, yeah.
4: yeah.
3: Yeah, Brad Pitt um, was originally down for Matt Damon's role, but he admitted it should go to a younger actor, so he stepped back. Oh, yeah, because he's so decrepit, isn't he? Yeah. Pitt, isn't he? <laughs>
4: but,
2: <laughs> There's not that much between him and Matt Damon, surely, years-wise.
3: Uh, Matt Damon is exactly the same age as me, to the day.
1: Oh. Uh, <laughs>
3: um, Brad Pitt can be much Pitt. older. So. Bit older, I'd imagine. Uh yeah, he's seven years
2: older.
4: Brad
3: Pitt's been around for
4: a long time when true, you think about it though. True.
2: True romance. Yeah. So hang on, Brad Pitt is like 58? fifty-eight. Fifty-seven,
3: yeah. yeah.
2: Bloody hell. Fair play, too. <sighs> Fair play It's
3: amazing what money can buy well, for Well that's him,
2: he. he's got no worries and no stress <laughs> like us three ever, has he, mate? For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Moisturewise, sure. Exactly. Yes.
2: (laughs) Shall we take a break and find out what we're gonna watch next time? Please. Okay. See you in a minute.
5: When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way.
2: Okay, chaps, let's have a little look at what's coming your way next episode. My choice for you. Now, I was going to do a comedy, and I am... Well, it is a comedy, but it's a very old comedy. I can hear Paul audibly groan here. Paul, how do you feel about going back to a movie from 1940? (coughs) What if I tell you it's got Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart in it? Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah. Catherine Hepburn. Directed by George Cukor. It is the film that inspired high society. Yep. Charlie's okay. nodding in approval. It's about time we did the Philadelphia story. Okay.
3: Is that Tom Hanks?
4: <laughs> They'll get aged. <laughs> yes, it's,
2: it's, it's the story of how they make soft cheese. In, in Northern England, the Philippines.
4: I think that's how Tom Hanks ended up like that. Wasn't
2: it? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you've heard of it, for God's sake. Please uh,
3: tell me you've heard of I it. I have, yes. It's, it's have somewhere... you seen... Mm. Sorry. no, no. You... Have you
4: seen High Society, Paul? No.
2: See, now you'd like that. It's got Grace Kelly in it. Oh, I do like
4: a bit of Grace you Kelly. Do. You all like a bit of Grace Kelly.
2: Grace Kelly and... Frank Sinatra, Louis Armstrong, Charlie's in it, isn't he, as well? And
4: Bing Crosby. Bing
2: Crosby, yeah. That's the musical version of this story, and, and pretty much the script is the same, but with musical numbers. So, Charlie, have you seen the Philadelphia
4: story? I've never seen the Philadelphia story, and I was wondering as to whether I should have gone back to it when we did High Society, yeah. and I'm, I'm kind of glad that I didn't now.
2: Right, so that's a, probably a perfect time for you to have a little look at it now. Um, yep. Probably only about 90 minutes. Oh, no, actually, it's 113, so it's nearly two hours long, which is quite remarkable for a lot of 1940s
4: comedy. Like Scorsese, was that?
2: Old? There you go, it's the Scorsese <laughs> version. <laughs> um, classic, would you say classic screwball comedy, Charlie, I think is an ideal sort of representation of the genre.
4: As, as someone who hasn't seen it, I'm not entirely qualified, but it's always been one of those films that name has been ever present in you know Mm. when you're doing research for other films or you're looking at lists it always gets mentioned which is no guarantee but very often a good sign yeah
0: being read. I used to be afraid of that look. The withering glance of the goddess.
1: I didn't think that alcohol would Oh, shut up. Uh Dinah, stay here. Oh,
5: please, Mother. Maybe he's going to soccer again. It's what everybody feels about you. It's what I first worshipped you for from afar.
1: George, listen... First,
5: now, and always.
3: Only from a little nearer now. Hey, darling?
1: I don't want to be worshipped. I... I want to be loved. Someday over the rainbow.
5: Way up high. What is this, oh, Connor? Connor? Easy, easy, old man. She's not hurt. No, no. Not wounded, so but dead. Seems the minute she hit the water the wine hit her. Now look here, Connor. A likely story, Connor.
1: Hello, Dexter. Hello, George. Hello, Mike.
5: You have a good mind, a pretty face, a disciplined body that does what you tell it. You have everything that it takes to make a lovely woman except the one essential, an understanding heart. And without that, you might just as well be made of bronze. And the night that you got drunk on champagne and climbed out on the roof and stood there naked with your arms out to the moon, wailing like a banshee.
1: I told you I never had the slightest recollection of doing any such thing. What in the name of
4: all that's holy am I to do? Tracy. Yes, Mike? Old Parson Parson, he's never seen Kidbridge before, has he? Now
0: look, I got you into this thing and I'll get you out of it. Will you marry me, Tracy?
2: So that's it for this week, guys. Thanks for being there, Paul, Charlie. Enjoyed that this evening?
3: Very much, guys. It's been a great pleasure.
2: Looking forward to the Philadelphia story. Looking forward to chatting to you both about that. See you both in a couple of weeks, guys. Take care. See you later.
3: See you later, mate. See you, mate.
0: of this theater suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending Astrid, arms that infernal jamboree is worse than two cats on a fence you dudes get lost now here good night ladies
1: good night sir <laughs>
0: when you feel down try positive thinking what I told the and said Don't wear a frown Try positive thinking Laugh at your troubles instead You've got to look On the bright side On hope so much Depends With your confidence sinking Positive thinking Helps you on the way my friend When things Look black Try positive thinking Treat Every season of spring, no glancing back. Try positive thinking, trust what tomorrow may bring. This crazy world that we live in will keep on spinning round. But with good, strong, positive thinking, we'll get together and life won't let us down.
1: Shut up. Oh, shut up. We enjoy it.